everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way podcast. I'm Mallory. And I'm Carol. And we are so excited that you guys are joining us today. We're just so grateful for all of our listeners. And, you know, we really are excited about today's podcast because we're going to be doing an overview about a super important topic. And it's one that's not talked about in the church often. Um, I actually don't even remember maybe one time it was addressed in my church. Um <laughs> nor even it's even addressed in its fullest context in seminary, which is wild to think about. And it's the topic of Israel. You know, this is something that's actually so important to the heart of God. And if we are Christians, we are grafted into the history, into the lineage of Jesus and God's chosen people, Israel. And so I really wanted to bring up this topic. I asked Carol to do that, if we could do a little episode on that. But not only that, just ask Carol some questions pertaining to Israel, since, you know, she's done quite a bit of studying of Israel for quite some time now. And so we have our very own Carol here (laughs) to ask and to question. And so, you know, Carol actually did a short podcast series on Israel, and it's called Why Israel? And so if you haven't listened to it yet, um, I just encourage you to go check it out. But today will be just a general overview of some things to encourage you to go deeper yourselves on the subject as well and to hopefully and to hopefully just bring some understanding to some of you who maybe just don't understand Israel very much. And so today we're just going to do, like I said, just a little Q&A with her during this episode for us to just dive in and learn a little bit more. And so... I'm personally so interested in Israel, and I have a lot of questions. So as we were getting this together, I sent her a lot of questions. So yeah, let's just get into it, Carol. So how about you start off by telling us just about your journey learning about Israel and really just what got you interested in it? Yeah, thanks, Mallory. I know you um, you were really excited to want to cover this topic, and I remember telling you it's a big topic. It's yeah. such a huge topic. You can't just... You can't talk about Israel in just 20 minutes. It's mm-hmm. too meaty. It's too important. It's There's so much depth to it. So, um, but yeah, I think it's fun mm-hmm. for us to begin talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to first say there are many, many, many wonderful teachers out there who can do a much better job than me at teaching on this subject. I appreciate you wanting to explore the topic, though, Mallory. And so for those of you willing to explore it also. So I'll do my very best. But please know... Again, this is a very difficult topic to tackle, not because it's difficult to understand, at least I don't think, but it's difficult in the fact that there's just so much information to address. And also because there's some very strong opinions on the subject of Israel, on the subject of the land, on the Jews, on their future, on our future as Christians with them so much. So You know, again, I'll do my best, um, but please, I encourage all of you to tune into our series that Mallory mentioned, Why Israel, to go a bit deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say something? Um, Just, Mm -hmm. I wanted to remind our listeners that that episode is way far back, so um, you'll have to scroll through a bit through our podcast to get back. Can I do a search? Oh, yeah, you could do a search. search? I know on Podbean, you can do a search. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in Spotify or whatever you use. Yeah, you can do a search, so you can look for that. But if you were looking, you just have to scroll back a little bit. I just yeah. wanted to say that. Yeah, and just, yeah. Um, but it's, you know, we did a, it's a five-part series. I have four parts done, but it's a it's a good series to start with. Um, but today, I think, honestly, I think we can only get so far as really dealing with a couple things. I think the different viewpoints that people come 
at Israel with and trying to understand those because we all sit under some teacher somewhere that whether it's realized or not, they have a viewpoint on the subject. But then also on the topic of covenants, because honestly, you cannot understand Israel, not even in the smallest degree, unless you understand God's uh, covenants that he made with them. And then their future will probably have to be our next podcast on it because uh, there's a lot there. But again, yeah. So my journey, you asked about my journey. What got me interested? Well, (laughs) it started actually before I made Jesus my Lord and Savior. My oldest sister, Karen, she was visiting the States. She was living overseas at the time, and she was a born-again believer. And I went to go visit her at her house. They had a house that they kept even though they lived overseas and so she'd come home and go to her house well she's the one who's the artist and at the time she was living in Germany but she was traveling to Israel quite a bit to use her artistic talents to help paint and create the stage that they would use when they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles which is one of the seven feasts of the Lord that this one particular one takes place in the fall so she was very familiar with Israel she was painting for lots of different people and diplomats and all kinds of stuff. So she was really involved. And at the time of my visit, um, there was a lot of unrest in the Middle East, as usually there is. And there was another conflict that was inching its way into war. And somehow we got on that subject. And she said to me, you know, we need to be paying attention to what is going on in Israel. And I asked her, why? I'm like, why should we care about what's going on over there? They're always in conflict. Mm -hmm. They're always in the news. It's a good thing they're there and we're here. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my mindset. You know, that's the Middle East. Mm -hmm. We're America. It was a pretty immature response, honestly, uh, on a topic that's been thousands of years in the making. But truly, that's how I saw it as a 20-year-old. And that's Mm -hmm. about how old I was when she and I were talking about all this. And she looked at me and she said, That's the problem, Carol. She goes, most people are ignorant to what is truly happening over there. Christians especially misunderstand. She then went into another room. She pulled out one of her pieces of artwork titled The Lion and the Lamb. Mm -hmm. And I think you saw that artwork at our retreat. I actually have that artwork. Oh, (laughs) You gave it to me. Oh, I did. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And she proceeded. It's a beautiful piece of artwork. Mm -hmm. And she proceeded to share the whole gospel with me starting with the Garden of Eden all the way through to Revelation, because that's what the painting is all about. And it mm-hmm. shows the this bloodline going through from the very mm-hmm. beginning to the very end. And she tied Israel also into that, into God's story, because it's instrumental. Well, I was fascinated by all of it, but I still lacked spiritual understanding. You know, I wasn't a born-again believer yet. So I left a little later on, Uh, still not clear about Israel. However, the seeds were planted. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really important point for any of us out there who is um, trying to communicate a point in the Bible, whether it's about Israel or anything else. You know, I left with seeds planted. And that's something Mm -hmm. for you all to keep in mind too. When you sow into somebody, seeds are planted. Because later when I did give my life to the Lord, those seeds sprouted. And I've told this before to many people, and not everybody has the same journey, but when I became a born-again believer, I was hungry, like starving to learn more. And so I've always had a genuine, genuine interest in learning about Israel, learning about the Bible, 
learning about the Jewish people. And so I became a voracious reader of the Bible because I did want to learn. And I'm still that way. I love the word of God. And just so you all know this about me, I approach the scriptures through the principle of sola scriptura, a Latin phrase that means scripture alone. Mm -hmm. It means that scripture alone is authoritative for the faith and practice of a Christian. The Bible is complete, it's authoritative, and it's true, and that's what I come at it. I come at it I from the very beginning. I don't question the stories. I read it, I take it, and I believe it. If it says it, that's what I do. I believe it. It's that simple. And so between that and the powerful work and revelation of the Holy Spirit that's at work within me, who promises to lead us into all truth, should we choose to seek it, that's how I approach the Bible. So I take the Bible very literally, and then I also take away the spiritual aspects of it as well. But as I did that, I quickly discovered something, and maybe you can relate to this. I realized that not everybody, not everybody believes that. Not everybody approaches the Bible the same way as me. And that is clearly revealed, especially when it comes to the topic of Israel, and I think that's true for any of you out there who are reading the Bible, and maybe you read the Bible truly like a child. You just pick it up, and you read it, and you believe it, but then all of a sudden, you are confronted with another believer, or you find yourself in a situation where all of a sudden, you're holding to a biblical truth or a biblical instruction you've received, and you're with other Christians who all of a sudden don't think the same way. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's where I found myself. I held to a viewpoint of Israel being a chosen nation, a chosen people. And then I quickly learned that teachers of the Bible, teachers that any one of us might be sitting under, they typically fall into one of several beliefs. And not all of those beliefs lined up with mine. And that's where you, some of us, I think, come to a crisis in our faith sometimes. Sorry, my ball, our dog just <laughs> dropped his ball behind us. But I think that's where some of us come to this crisis in our faith sometimes mm -hmm. when people that we highly respect, that we're learning, that we're, we're trying to understand the Bible, all of a sudden you, you respect, say, five of them and four of them are saying the different things and it gets mm -hmm. a little confusing. But if you all don't mind, and do you mind if I state yeah. these beliefs? Do you have any questions mm -hmm. about anything I just said first? No, that's great. Keep okay. going. I'm curious to say what, hear what you're going to say next. Okay. So, so what you're going to find, and I'm going to use some big words for very simple concepts. Mm -hmm. So don't let it freak you out. But what you're going to find wherever you go to church, whoever you're sitting under, whatever podcast you're listening to, it's just really important for you to understand where different teachers are teaching from when it comes to this topic. There is a word called restorationism. Okay, what this view is, it's a big word for a simple concept. And this is the view that believes that the promises made to the sons of Israel through great covenants are yet to be fulfilled. When Jesus returns, all of Israel will be saved and the kingdom of Israel will be restored in the land that was promised to Abraham. And um, the Jewish will rule promised Abraham and he Jesus will rule over the Jewish people as king and he will be the sovereign over the earth that's restorationism some teachers hold to that belief and so if they hold to that belief whatever sermons they teach on Israel they're going to teach from that viewpoint mm -hmm. then there's the viewpoint called futurism and this view sees the overwhelming emphasis of biblical prophecy as pertaining to the future events that surround the return of Jesus 
divided into several events, the events that precede his return, his actual return, and the establishment of his kingdom for a thousand years. This view was shared by the prophets, it was shared by Jesus, it was shared by the apostles, and it was shared by the earliest Christians. So that's futurism. It's something to look forward to. And so the future of Israel is definitely included with all of these end time events. And so you have people that then teach from that viewpoint. And then this is a big word people get hung up on, but don't let it scare you. It's called premillennialism. And this view is that all of the descriptions throughout the Bible of the coming kingdom of God that will be established here on the earth after Jesus returns is to be taken literally. This position was also held by the prophets, Jesus, the apostles, and the earliest Christians. So everything that's supposed to come about the kingdom, it's all going to happen after Jesus comes back. So that's that view. Now it starts getting it more interesting. You've got supersessionism. I don't know who comes up with these words, <laughs> but this is known, this is a view that has really permeated the church today. And you may or may not have heard of this term, but it's commonly known as replacement theology. And this holds that the Christian church has superseded or replaced Israel as the people of God. In fact, according to a popular document that was written in 2002 and posted on the website of Knox Theological Seminary, it said the inheritance promises that God gave to Abraham do not apply to any particular ethnic group, but to the church of Jesus Christ, the true Israel. And that document was signed by hundreds of prominent evangelical leaders, mm. pastors, and professors. That is the most commonly held viewpoint in most seminaries today. Mm -hmm. And that is why most pastors will teach from that viewpoint as well, or they'll avoid the subject altogether. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, go ahead. That's Step the in. viewpoint that I've always learned and maybe not so specifically, mm -hmm. but I kind of have held that. And then coming more into understanding the history and learning from you of, wow, I see this in the Bible and the history. And mm -hmm. we can't just take the first part of the Bible and Forget take it away, rest. forget the rest. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's interesting. Replacement theology has done more damage mm -hmm. um, in the relations between Jew and Gentile believers than anything else. There is such mm -hmm. a great misunderstanding creating such a great gulf mm -hmm. between those two groups, which was never intended according to the Bible. Yeah. Then you have, you only have two more, but these are just interesting. I just want yeah. you all to understand mm -hmm. what people are teaching. Then there's preterism. This believes, this belief is that the overwhelming majority of biblical prophecy has already been fulfilled. They interpret the last day or the word end times as having already been fulfilled in the events surrounding 70 AD when Rome destroyed Jerusalem. That's a very popular belief today as well. And the last one I want to mention, another biggie, another big word, amillennialism. And people who hold this view reject the idea that after Jesus returns, there will be a thousand-year reign called the millennial, wherein Jesus will rule over the nations on the throne of David from Jerusalem in order to fulfill all of God's promises made to the Jewish people through the Abrahamic covenant. They don't believe in that. So just listening to me recite, what is it, five or six different positions, mm -hmm. you can see why people are confused. Yeah. 
And so you can see why they're scratching their heads today. And every person who is teaching today from a pulpit anywhere takes one of these positions. And so are you based on who you sit under. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard a phrase once that said, pay attention at church to what is not being preached as opposed to what is, because you'll learn a lot. You're either learning about Israel or you're not. You're either learning about repentance or you're not. You're either learning about sin or you're not. You're either learning about the Holy Spirit or you're not. Mm -hmm. And so whatever position you take on Israel, it really boils down to this, in my opinion. And you can take my opinion and throw it out. It really doesn't matter. Number one, I just want to ask this to our listeners and even to you, Mallory. What has scripture shown you personally about Israel when you studied it? Because it says a lot about Israel in the Bible. And so I just want to ask that to our listeners. In your study of Israel, what has scripture shown you personally? Mm -hmm. Number two, do you believe the Holy Scriptures through and through? The Bible, cover to cover. Do you read it and just believe it? Because that will determine a lot as well. And number three, what have you been taught about Israel already, if anything? And when you were taught, did you test the words of that person who taught you by the scripture? Because you see, most of our understanding or misunderstanding on the topic comes really down to that. Mm -hmm. We either haven't read about it for ourselves in detail yet, and I mean the history, the covenants, the prophecy, the future fulfillment, or we don't believe the scriptures fully, or we believe what someone else told us and whatever they taught us from their particular view. And so I've spent a lot of my time in my Christian journey learning all about Israel from other Jews, from what the Bible has had to say, and from my own personal experience. I've spent a lot of time getting to know Messianic Jews. I have gone and go to Messianic Jewish congregations, and I learned so much from them because I'm going to tell you right now, Messianic Jews, they know the word, mm -hmm. and they know deep, rich mysteries out of the word. And of course, I also learned by visiting the land of Israel, the people, the place. It, When you go there, it is a true miracle. And so I know it's a long-winded answer mm -hmm. to your question, but that's how I got into it. It was a seed planted years ago, and that seed came to fruition and sprouted forth when I became a born-again believer. And only that was my dog. <laughs> And only, like, amen. Amen. He said, amen. <laughs> and only the Lord really put that desire. I have such a strong desire mm -hmm. to learn and to understand it. And, and he has made a way. I mean, mm -hmm. I think whenever we, when we pray and ask a desire of our heart that is in line with his heart, mm -hmm. he will give us what we ask. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that is so interesting. And I loved what you said. Um, the sola script. Torah. How did uh -huh. you say that? Sola Scriptura. 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 I, yeah, yeah, I think that's so important. When I became a new believer, I was just so hungry for the word and just for anything. So I would read the word quite often, but then also listen to so much other things as well. And I think that's so good and amazing, amazing teachers that I learned from. But God is really bringing me into the season where it's just so much more 
about the Bible. I'm not really reading any other books. I'm just going deep, deep, deep in Mm -hmm. the word because I have to say, I'm like, I don't know. I've read the Bible front to back. I also, when I did it, I woke up really early in the morning with a friend and like half fell asleep (laughs) during it. And so I've gone deep into some books, but to have the Bible as a whole, I just feel like I'm relearning it with fresh eyes. And so I think that's such a good encouragement. Sola Scriptura. Mm -hmm. Scriptura. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've just from that viewpoint and that we don't have to be worried. Do we fall under the wrong theology? You know, I'm just encouraged that God and his Holy Spirit are with us as we're reading through the Bible. And so just to remind us to get back in our Bibles and read it for what it truly Mm -hmm. says. So I just think that's so interesting in all the different viewpoints. And I see that. I see those different viewpoints Mm -hmm. and people I've come in contact with or different things that I've heard and can't believe I'm like, oh my gosh, I fell under that one, but reminding that it's okay, okay, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, my next question would be, why did God choose Israel to be a holy nation? Why did he choose them to be set apart for him? Mm -hmm. You know, when I saw that question, I'm like, Mallory, that is like the biggest, meatiest (laughs) question. (laughs) We could take days answering Uh that. But, um, well, first of all, two minutes. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, First of all, you know, God can do what he wants. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have to explain his every decision to us, even though we would like him to. And what I find encouraging is that interest concerning God's heart for Israel is on the rise, even though the waters seem a bit murky as some of us step out into this own unknown territory that we've never really explored before. And so we do need the help of the Holy Spirit to help us spiritually discern Israel and God's heart for the land and the people. You know, and you were saying something really interesting, just getting back into the Bible. I can't tell you how many people I have been talking to lately. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're stepping away from all the other voices, so to speak, and just getting right back into the word. And yeah. that is so important. I actually went to a church this morning. I went to my sister's church and he just read from the Bible and it was the best sermon I've listened to in the longest time. And I could not believe how refreshing it was and thinking around at so many other churches, do they just sometimes just take a few verses and Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just had to say that I was in tears the whole time. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. And just taking the word. So Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's good. You know, I think, um, before anyone can truly understand that answer to your question or even understand the meaning of the new Testament, actually, for that matter, there are some foundational issues in the old Testament that we must first try to understand. I mean, hands down, I think premier among these issues are the four great biblical covenants Mm -hmm. because we really, really, really do not study or understand covenants very well. Mm -hmm. And those covenants that I'm talking about are the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. And yes, I know there's the covenant with Noah too, but I'm not going to address that today. And you know, amazingly though, the covenants are the very foundation of the entire biblical story. And yet the majority of Christians know very little about them. Mm-hmm. And to understand not only where Israel's story began, but where God's entire plan of redemption began, we have to realize that it is summarized. The whole thing is summarized up in one simple statement. God made a promise. God made a promise, and a promise to God is permanent. It's everlasting. And this promise that God made 
It is fair to say it is one of the most significant and fundamental themes of the entire Mm -hmm. Bible, dominating the pages of the Old and New Testament alike. Not only is the Abrahamic covenant, which we'll talk about, the very foundation for the Lord's plan of redemption, but it has also become the hinge of history, the primary driving factor behind the single most prominent global, spiritual, and geopolitical conflict in the earth today. You see, God, he made a promise to a man named Abram, whose name later he changed to Abraham. And this promise became known as the Abrahamic Covenant. And it basically says, and I believe it's from Genesis chapter 15, where number one, and I'm, I'm not going to read this from the scripture, I'm just going to kind of break it down into three points. This covenant promise that he made to Abraham was made specifically to the descendants of Abraham through his son Isaac, and then later his son Jacob, later renamed Israel. And that promise eventually came to the Gentiles through faith in Jesus Christ, who was a Jew, a descendant of Abraham, as stated in Galatians by Paul. The second thing is the primary emphasis of the promise is concerned with a very specific and literal piece of land on this earth, the land of Canaan eventually becoming Israel. So first, it's a promise made to the forefathers, starting with Abraham. Secondly, there's a promise and inheritance in this of specific literal land. And then third, the third part of this promise made through the Abrahamic covenant is ongoing. It's an irrevocable, everlasting covenant. And it is going to be a covenant that blesses so many people. There will be more descendants of Abraham than there are in the stars in the sky. And so there's much more to the covenant, but that's the core premise. It was given to them, it includes land, and it's irrevocable. And that's something that Christians miss. We miss understanding as it pertains to the covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, but then all the others. And what are the others that tie into this? Well, 430 years after the Abrahamic covenant was made, the Lord made another covenant with Israel, this time through Moses. And this took place in Exodus 19. The Mosaic covenant was profoundly different from the Abrahamic covenant. While the Abrahamic covenant was an unconditional, one-sided promise made by God, the Mosaic covenant was very much a two-sided legal agreement between the Lord and all of Israel. While the covenant he made with Abraham is defined by the Lord repeatedly declaring, I will, the Mosaic covenant is repeatedly defined by, Mm -hmm. if you, I will. Mm -hmm. The covenant made with Moses became a marriage betrothal to Israel, and it's found in Exodus 19, 4 through 8. That's why when you read in the prophets or you read other parts in the Bible and it says, I am married to Israel, that's Mm -hmm. why. That's why even when he got angry with him, even when he sent them into exile, he never cut them off completely. He Mm -hmm. always kept a remnant because he's in covenant. And so when you read about the Mosaic covenant that's found in Exodus 19, then all of a sudden that's the covenant where he says, 
if you do this, you will become a special people to me, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. I'm so sorry, you guys. My dog is like so excited about this podcast and it must be time to play. But that covenant, the covenant of Moses is not the rules. The covenant of Moses is the agreement that's made between verses four through eight. If you do this, you will be a kingdom of priests. You'll be a holy nation. You'll be my special people. Then the rules follow. Something I want to bring up about the book of Exodus that I wasn't going to bring up, but it is a perfect picture of what happens to us with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. God, through his infinite grace to the Israelites, he redeemed them first. Then he told them how to live. Hmm. He redeemed them first by nothing they did on their own, just by sheer grace and mercy for Hmm. his people. Then he made the covenant with them. Then he told them how to live. Well, the same Mm. thing happens with us. We are redeemed first in Jesus Christ. And then we come into covenant with him. Then he tells us how to live. It's no different. Mm -hmm. And so within the Mosaic covenant, that's what we find, those regulations and requirements to not only possess the land, but how to remain in it. That's the whole premise of that Mosaic covenant. And he was very strict. They had to do certain things in order to not be invaded by other armies and to remain in the land. And that covenant, those promises, again, by God, those promises even applied after their exile because God promised one day he would remember his promise made to them through the Abrahamic covenant. And even when they were exiled, he promised to bring them back into the land. In fact, he says, In the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. And that's in Deuteronomy 4. And the whole point of that is this, friends. Israel was exiled once because of disobedience. And then Israel was kicked out of their land fully and completely after Rome destroyed the temple, excuse me, in 70 AD, and then again in 130 AD when they were uh, overrun for a final time. And for 2,000 years, Israel was not in their land. And one empire after another came and went, ransacking the land, triumphing in the land, going over the land. You had the Greeks, you had the Romans, you had the Seleucids, you had the Ottomans, you had all of them. And they all came and went. And then a miraculous thing happened in fulfillment of this verse right here. That in 1948, Britain, who was the last ones to have a mandate over Israel, when that mandate expired, Israel was now granted to have their land Mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. Not only just their land, but they got their language and all kinds of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And the Middle East nations around it did not like it one bit because the very next day they got invaded. They had no weaponry except what was left there. So there's a whole story behind that. But that's the point is in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice for the Lord your God is a compassionate God. God made a promise to them through the Abrahamic covenant. That land is theirs, Mm -hmm. whether people agree with it or not. And right now, since 1948, there is proof. There is no other nation on the face of the earth that has ever returned to a land that they were kicked out of especially after 2,000 years, not only being restored to their land, Mm -hmm. but having their own language and everything else restored to them as well. 
So this point is absolutely critical. And this is all in the covenants. While the Jews' permanent residency in the land was contingent upon their obedience to the law given in the Mosaic covenant, the Lord never reneged on the initial gift of his land to his corporate people, Israel, as made through the Abrahamic covenant. But if they were disobedient and the Lord expelled them from the land, did that mean the land was no longer theirs? Not at all, as 1948 proved. And Paul makes that simple point in the book of Romans, that God made an unconditional promise and that God cannot lie. That promised land belongs to the sons of Israel, not because of their goodness or their faithfulness, but because of God's faithfulness with his covenant which is perpetual, which is eternal. So people out there may not like Israel being in their land. They may have their own strong opinions about it, but it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because it's God's covenant that he made, not anything we were part of. And today, one of the things the church does is they take the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant and they squish them together and they generalize it, calling it the old covenant. And so a lot of Christians today, we just say old covenant, new covenant, right? And when we think of old covenant, we think of Mosaic laws. And we really don't have any clue what the covenant really even says. The Mm -hmm. laws are how to live right, but the covenant was something different. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is because something's called an old covenant, we then make it obsolete by the new. And it shows our lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. Any questions so far on that? No, I think that's so good. Keep going. Well, then there's the Davidic covenant, and that's the one that's delivered through Nathan the prophet to King David, and it's the promise of an eternal throne, the uh, reiteration of the land promises that's made through the Abrahamic covenant. And this Davidic covenant, it's a promise that only Jesus Christ will fulfill as he one day takes up his holy throne in Jerusalem, in Israel. This is why the gospel of Matthew begins by declaring Jesus as the son of David, Matthew 1, 1. Peter also preached that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's covenant to David. That's in Acts chapter 2, 29 to 36. And so it is through Jesus, our Messiah, that this covenant, the Davidic covenant with the land and the promises of David, of King David, that they will find their fulfillment together. The Abrahamic will come together with the Davidic. It's that eternal kingship, that eternal throne that we all talk about. And that is something that we continue to wait for today. And then the last covenant I just want to touch on of those four is the new covenant. We all talk about the new covenant, but you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding in the new covenant. What, first of all, what a lot of people don't realize, it was given to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That's the northern and southern kingdom of Israel. Don't miss this. In this new covenant, we discovered that the reason the Lord gave the promised land to the Jewish people was to provide a location where they could live in fellowship with him eternally. But for this to become a reality, the Lord promised to write his law upon their hearts so they could serve him with absolute and complete obedience. And this is found in Jeremiah 31.1 and Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34. 
And it's especially important to note that the specific recipients of this new covenant are, as I quote, all the families of Israel, quote, the house of Israel, quote, the house of Judah, whom the Lord also refers to as, quote, my people. The Lord specifically says that the new covenant will not be like the Mosaic covenant in which the house of Israel was unfaithful, but like the Abrahamic covenant, the new covenant would be something that the Lord himself would oversee and accomplish within his people. And like the Abrahamic and Davidic covenants, the new covenant was also an unconditional promise made by God to Israel. The Lord himself would place his law within their hearts. Then he would forgive their sins and forget their iniquities. And as such, they would get to know the Lord from the least of them to the greatest. And then in Jeremiah 32, verses 37 to 42, Jeremiah once again prophesied concerning the time when Israel would be gathered to their land. Ezekiel also speaks of the new covenant when the nation of Israel would receive a new spirit and a new heart, along with the desire to walk in complete obedience and holiness to God. And that's in Ezekiel 36, 22 to 28. It is the new heart and the new spirit promise through the new covenant that will empower the people of Israel to walk in a manner worthy of inheriting the land as promised to Abraham. The Lord's ultimate purpose was always to have a people who loved him fully and serve him with gladness and joy specifically in the land that he promised to give him. And this continues to be God's intention today and in the days ahead. That's why there's going to be a new Jerusalem. The Lord will see to it that all of the promises are completely fulfilled. And while the new covenant was announced in the Old Testament, its actual inauguration is recorded in the New Testament through the body of Jesus the Messiah that was broken for the sins of people who is a Jew, a descendant of Abraham. Up until this point, we have seen that all of the covenants, including the new covenant, were made specifically to and for Israel. And none of the passages that speak of the covenants have the Gentiles been overtly stated to be the primary recipients of the promises. But what we learn in Romans 11, it's because of the rejection of some of the Jewish people that Gentiles were now given an opportunity to be grafted into the commonwealth of Israel through their belief in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. He made them now part of the promises of Abraham. Those who were far off could now draw near. It is such a powerful picture, and somehow we just miss it within the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's just so good. And I think so good for me as someone who's understanding to learn about Israel and all of our listeners out there who's just starting to understand. I think it's so good that just like you were saying before, you know, we just need this foundation mm-hmm. of the covenants. And so I think that was so good to truly understand, you know, sometimes I think I can get so much in the Bible that I just need to understand the big picture mm-hmm. as well. And so I think that was so helpful. So, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to 
just to continue. So my next question is, so, you know, we know that Israel, they were set apart. They were chosen from God before Jesus. Well, then Jesus, he died on the cross so that all could share in the inheritance of God and the Israelites. So how amazing is that? That now we, I think that just gave me, as I was listening to you, such an appreciation. And it's so funny because I was reading Romans, I think 11 the other day, Mm -hmm. that we were grafted into God's family. Mm -hmm. We're grafted into those promises. Now I am grafted into that heritage. I know everyone talks about this Father Abraham song. I've never, I don't even know the song. I should go look it up. Father Abraham, how many songs? (laughs) Yeah. So I've heard probably that much of the song (laughs) to the extent many times over the years. But yeah, like this is my heritage now, right? Mm -hmm. Would you say that? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, because we learned that in Romans 11, but then there's also a warning for Romans Mm -hmm. and a warning in Romans 11 for believers. What is that warning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, can I just say something really quick? When we do partake now of the promises of Abraham, as Paul clearly states in the New Testament in several mm-hmm. places, when I went to Israel, and I'm not the only one to experience this, I know there's many of you out there who have experienced this as well. The very moment my feet hit the ground in Israel, I just heard within my spirit and felt it with everything in me. There's another amen from my dog. Um, <laughs> I'm home. Hmm. And then when wow. I left, I was homesick. Wow. And Powerful. because we are part now of this promise. And not everybody has the same experience in Israel. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, um, I don't know why, but for me, that's what my experience was. And for many people I know, that's what their experience mm-hmm. is. And so it's really powerful. And and I just want to mention, because we mm-hmm. haven't mentioned JCM, we're taking, we're going to Israel Uh next year. We're going in October of 2023. Please visit our website, jeremiahscall.org, to see if you can be part of that trip with us. We are pretty excited, Mm -hmm. Um, but check that out. But it is, it's a powerful connection we now have. And the more you Mm -hmm. learn about um, the land and the more you learn about the covenants, the more when you go there, it is, I am so sorry. He keeps bouncing his ball. He's having um, a lot of fun. Yeah. You just, you are so connected there. Mm-hmm. You will feel the presence of God at a bus stop. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll be like, oh, I'm going to go to Mount Carmel and I'll feel the presence of God. No, you'll find yourself at a bus stop crying, yeah. you know, for no reason at all, but you won't feel anything at Mount Carmel, uh-huh. you know? So anyway, but I think to truly understand the mystery of Israel It is absolutely critical to understand that in Paul's day, as in ours, whosoever, whether Jew or Gentile, whosoever comes to the Lord in repentance and places their faith in Jesus will be saved and brought into the family of God. In fact, this is the only way anyone will ever be saved. But Paul also knew that the specific wording of the covenants speak of a calling upon Israel on a corporate national level too. And this calling rests upon the physical bloodline descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, precisely according to the manner in which the Lord made his promises in the Abraham, Davidic, and New Covenants. The promises of God were not made to individuals, but always to the whole nation of Israel. And for those of you out there, if you have a pen handy, let me just give you a few verses that you can look up for homework. Number one, where he talks about the sons of Israel. 
That's Exodus 6-2 and Ezekiel 43, verse 7 and 44, verse 9. When he talks about all the families of Israel, that's Jeremiah 31-1. When he talks about the house of Israel or the house of Judah, Isaiah 14, 1-3. When he talks about the whole house of Israel, all of them, end quotation, Ezekiel 11, 15, 20 to 20, verse 40, Ezekiel 39, verse 25, and Ezekiel 45, 6. Or when he talks about the sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, that's 1 Chronicles 16, verses 13 to 18. It's Psalm 105, verses 6 through 12. But also the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, that's in Zechariah 12, 10 to 11. There's numerous other examples that could be cited. God has pledged himself to Israel. And no matter how much Christians today try to prove that wrong, all one has to do is look with their eyes. Because since 1948, when the British, like I said, when the British mandate ran out and Israel became a state again, Jews have been returning, making what's called Aliyah to Israel ever since. Mm. He's called them home. And the last nation on the earth right now housing the greatest number of Jews in the world is America. We are one of the last mm-hmm. nations yet to where a lot of Jews have decided to make Aliyah, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. And when you start seeing them leave in great numbers, pay close attention. Mm-hmm. Christians, therefore, in Romans chapter 11, are warned not to be haughty concerning Israel replacement theology is a haughty approach to Israel. If God broke off some of the branches of Israel, he can graft them back in again, this chapter says. But there's a warning. If any of us who are haughty against Israel thinking we've replaced them, Mm -hmm. we are now the new Israel, guess what? It says he can break off our branches too. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty sobering warning for the church today. We must read our Bible and understand God's plan before assuming things we're learning from others. Parts of Israel was rejected for for what reason? It says they were rejected so that the Gentiles could come in. But there's coming a time, this, this chapter says, when the fullness of the Gentiles will be done. When the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, then he's going to bring in the remaining remnant of Israel. Mm -hmm. So please, friends out there, I encourage you, don't take my word for it. Don't take anyone's word for it. Read your Bible. And you know, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Please, so many people out there have such different opinions. Please just read your Bible. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and have him teach you. It says you need no one else teach you but the yeah. anointing that is within you, friends, mm-hmm. there, just please read the Bible. There is so much going on in the land of Israel prophetically right this very minute that we mm-hmm. all need to be tuned into. And I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to find people who are going to support um, the, the Arab side. You're going to find people to support the Jewish side. I'm going to ask you very humbly, please do your homework on that. Understand what took place in the key wars in Israel 
and and how Israel was very gracious and giving up a bunch of land in order to maintain peace. Do your homework on this whole topic because there's so much to it. But I think that if we can understand that there's different viewpoints Mm -hmm. and then to have a right perspective going in that we're probably sitting under somebody with one of those viewpoints. And number two, try to get a better grasp of the covenants because at the end of the day, friends, really doesn't matter um, what Iran is threatening, what anybody is threatening, what what conflicts are going on. God's covenant with his people mm-hmm. is ongoing. It's perpetual, it's eternal, and it's going to come to pass. Mm-hmm. So, so good. I'm so grateful for you, Carol. And yes, I asked her and we talked about it a little bit. I said, can you, I know you did this series, but let's just do something for a quicker one with the foundation. And I just feel like this is, that's exactly what this was. I think that you hit all the important points, the covenants, the understanding, why Israel. And so I'm just really grateful and I'm excited to just start this journey learning more. And remember again that she has that series on Israel called Why Israel. So mm-hmm. I'm so encouraged now. And in our um, trip, Sarah trip. Oh, in our trip. Oh, yeah, Sarah trip. <laughs> yeah. And we have our amazing trip coming up October of 2023. Yeah. 8th through yeah. The se- October 8th through the 17th. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're super excited. You can go to our website, jeremiahscall.org, and check out the itinerary, and uh, we'll have pricing up soon. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us again today. And we look forward to our next time with you guys. And if you have any questions, any comments, any prayer requests, um, you can email us at prepare the way at jcmcolorado.com. Yes. And can I just say, I'm sorry about my dog again. (laughs) You know, it seems like whenever you talk about topics, it could be the Holy Spirit. It can be Israel, something really important to God's heart. There are so many disruptions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, but you know, he just yeah. wants to be part of it, I guess. Yeah. So, but thank you all. Yeah. I think you do need to go play some ball with your dog. <laughs> <laughs> like you need to go do that. I think <laughs> I do too. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone. We'll catch up with you later. Mm-hmm.